Hello, Accelerant World. Do you know those moments where you sit down with a friend, you start talking without a plan, or you had a plan going in, but it goes in a completely different direction, and then you leave the chat with healing that you didn't know you needed? That's this episode for me. If you've listened to prior interviews, you've heard Constance talk about different data insights as a part of those episodes. However, today I get to talk with just her. It's a conversation about reflecting on the past year and ultimately realizing that the ingredients of the data we have seen from the pandemic now have more meaning and much deeper insights. I think it mostly speaks for itself. Here's Constance. When you talk about how isolated people are feeling or what they've sat with for a year and what they need in terms of connection. Yes. That and the role that wise play in that, I can't, there's not, I mean, all of the things I can say sound like throwing out platitudes that you can't overstate it. It's what everybody needs. I mean, you just can't. And and, and I think it, honestly, after that hit me so badly, I think I, I just got better and I'm, I'm to the point where no, I'm gonna. I'm going to. I have to take a moment. It's over. It's overwhelming. The the work that has been been done in the Y movement and is happening right now. Accelerant, a substance used to aid the spread of fire, accelerating or causing acceleration. This is the Accelerant podcast. Hi there. Thank you for joining me today on The Accelerant. I'm your host, Saranda West. I hope you're going for a walk or a quick run because our guest today is going to make you want to get up and move. Constance Miller is the Director of Research, Analytics, and Strategic Insights at Daxco. Before you say, oh, a Daxco person, I'm just going to turn this one off. Hang tight. Constance also worked at YMCA of the USA for six years in the research department, so she's very much a part of the YMCA movement. She has so much energy, insights, um, or data for any conversation, the best analogies. Constance, welcome to the show. Thank you. First off, so a little bit of an intro there, Constance, but just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So (laughs) I will try to start in a logical place for the conversation. I have moved around a lot. My background is in research. If you had asked me what I wanted to be in fifth grade, I would have said some combination between an astronaut, an opera singer, and an academic. I tried at some point to dabble on each of those, but what ended up happening is that I went into public policy, which included a lot of statistics, and I fell in love with being able to take information and explain it to other people. My background reflects that. So prior to being at Dexco, I had two different positions with the federal government. And then when I held the second one, I actually was recruited to YUSA by a good friend of mine at the time and spent six years there, as you said, in the research department. And then fell in love with the Y. I have a Y story. I learned to swim at the Y when I was in elementary school in Glen Ellen, Illinois, the B.R. Ryle Y, it's still there. And I think honestly, when I look at the thread of my background, it has always been 
how can we take something that needs to be communicated and do it in a way that's convincing and do it in a way that is insightful and meaningful? And data plays a huge role in that. It is one of many paths to do that. And when I was able to combine that with a topic that I loved, that has guided my decisions in terms of where we've moved, in terms of where we've worked and the work that I'm doing now. Perfect. I love your why story and that you can still say it's still there. Mm -hmm. So help me understand what does, when you say I worked at um, YMCA of the USA in the research department, what did that look like? What was the day-to-day in research? That's a great question. We had a fantastic team and it was really tight. And when I first started there and when I ended, I would say there were probably about two phases of the work. So when I first joined the team, we were collecting a lot of information. And I used to make a joke when I transitioned to Daxco and I would introduce myself and they'd say, hey, where did you come from? And I used to make a joke to folks if it was someone from the Y, because I said, if YUSA had asked you for something during these years and it wasn't the annual report, I'm so sorry it was me. We would we would go in and do surveys. Everyone who works at Hawaii is very familiar with the annual reporting process. But there was a lot of other information that was gathered, and it was gathered for such great reasons. So that was phase one of my work, which was understanding what information was needed from which YMCAs and when, so that we could communicate about messaging, so that we could get a version of references for other Ys who would call in and say, hey, do we know who's doing X? And certainly also, of course, fundraising. So for both information for local wise to leverage if they were working with a funder that's everywhere like United Way or for YUSA itself to be able to speak in more real time than the annual report would allow around efforts that were for collecting a lot of survey data and feedback data around camp because we were doing a, a foundation pitch to fund camp that would have been a, a pass-through grant for the wise. So that was phase one of the work. And day-to-day, that meant that we did a lot of strategy around um, what really needed collected, what was most important, because we knew we couldn't ask everything all the time. There's an endless list of things that I know we could even in our roles right now, Saranda, want to know about what's going on at WISE. And so prioritizing against that, scrubbing within an inch of its life, the best way for us to go do that so that when we got back the information, it was usable, it was crisp, it was a quick turnaround, and then analyzing that and putting that back out the door. The second phase of work that I did was very much connected around, I was there during the rebrand. I was I was at YUSA for most of Neil Nichols' tenure. I which remember is, the rebrand so well. Yes, yes. And there was a lot that came out of that around who we are. When I say we, I still include myself in the Y movement, like who we are and what we stand for. And that's where, you know, healthy living and social responsibility came in and all of those pieces that were more than the way that the why was always talked about. And then, and here's my favorite part, the research that went behind all of that. So when we talk about the impact that the why has, that's where I transitioned very much from what information do we need to go tell the story we we need to tell right now to what impact is the why really having what's common across all whys? How do we go speak about that? What information do we need to gather so that we've got really big proof points. And this is where things like achievement and belonging and relationships and developmental assets 
and us having some numbers to back up our, our brand in that sense and our identity in that way. That was this, that was really the second phase of my work. And I got to manage a team that was grant funded to do that. And I still remember because I think, again, I'm going to show my age a little bit, but not that long ago, things were still delivered in big binders. And I remember walking into a meeting with Y leaders and there was the thud factor where everyone got one of the biggest green binders you've ever seen with all of the findings that we had from it, because there was just so much rich information to use that came out of that work. And so a lot of what you still hear, it's still being used. When we talk about the impact the way that's having, and it's being leveraged by YUSA still and, and several Ys. So I, I know that we're on a podcast and you can't see me, but I'm smiling talking about it because it was a direct way to add to the way that the Y has always talked about itself. So we, we have these wonderful personal stories and how can we, in addition to telling those, add in, and we used to talk a lot in the research department about it's not an or, it's not, is it a number or a story? It's a number and a story, or the numbers backing up the story. So how can we just enrich the impact that the Y is having with proof points around its reach and around its impact? Yeah, that's fantastic. And you should be mm -hmm. proud and happy because you can absolutely still see that work today. And I'm sure if you had the binder, it would still be just as relevant. Oh, yeah. The binders at YUSA somewhere, I swear. Someone's got oh, it yeah. still. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of the Y impact, we are early in 2021. How have you seen the impact of YMCA's change over the past year? Oh my goodness, we could have an entire weekend on this. And, and I feel like I am in a position or you and I are often where we are, anyone listening to this is going to be an expert in some incredible examples of this. One thing we did right when COVID hit, we immediately started watching to wrap our heads around the answer to your question. So what are they doing and what do they need? Were the things that we have been watching the data for. And I think one of the things that the, the story that it really tells and, and data is nothing without context, right? So we can talk about check-ins changing and joins changing and renewals changing and all of that falls in the proof point category, but the so what and in what context is related to COVID. The data really backs up a lot of the bright spots that you've actually been highlighting on this podcast. So i the pieces that we're seeing are the doors never closed. So the physical doors may have closed, but the data backs up that everything still kept flowing. There were different ways that members were engaged and you could see it. There were still check-ins and they became virtual check-ins. And we started quickly being able to keep track of that. There was outreach happening that had always happened from communications. The way that it was done pivoted very quickly to be thoughtful given the circumstances. Programming, the programming data over the last year is fascinating. And again, backs up so much of what Y leaders have been highlighting that they've been doing, things we all know very well. We can see the data immediately shifted. We saw holds very quickly, makes sense. Everyone knows the story of that. And we saw program registrations take a beat and then go up immediately because we had things that we know of, not just emergency response childcare, which is absolutely one of the biggest headlines. But then quickly after that, there were outreach to seniors who were isolated that we see in programming. There was meal programs where we kind of saw 
no forms being created or programs where, where those pieces were still going. There was a re-envisioning quickly once we understood the long-term impact to school around what did this mean, not just for emergency childcare, but what does this mean that families who now have children at home and are working at home need in terms of virtual engagement with school-age children? So from a data perspective, I can give some numbers to that, and and I'm happy to, but the headline very much is that we saw immediate response, pivot on a dime. Mm -hmm. You and I were in the the thick of pulling all of this data together and just like you said, like trying to put the context and understand what we were seeing. And I may cry as we talk about this, but do you remember the month? I don't even remember what month it was where we saw at first everything just took this huge dip. But the part, the one piece that went up was donations across the board. That to me was just so beautiful to see the, yes, like at that time, the doors were shut, the physical doors were shut, right? But then the community was still giving and supporting these YMCAs through the, through all of it. I thought of that the other day. I'm so glad you added that in. I want to check what month that is. I'm almost positive it was April. I thought of it when I listened to one of your earlier episodes, that's a Wonderful example, Saranda, of when we see donations go up, what does that mean the wise are doing, right? What is driving that? And it was a reminder of we're here and this is the work that we do and how we're going to keep doing it. And that response was, it was beautiful. Yeah. Talk us through this data and these insights. What did that process look like? And then what was the end result? Starting in March, all of us, you included, we started capturing as much information as we could. The first stage was everyone's closed. Now what's going to happen and what do they need help with? So we were monitoring on two levels what, what's happening with the whys right now because we should know that so we can help. And then what questions were the whys themselves reaching out to us to be able to answer? And those were really the two guiding posts, a, a sense of not only what's happening now, but the result. So from both those perspectives of what's going on with the whys, and then the questions that they were asking, what's happening with the rest of the country or specifically what's happening right now with whys that look like me. That was what really drove the data that we started tracking. And we started surfacing that as quickly as we could through our company and then also through our, our you know, why-facing roles and in giving the trends that we were seeing so that we could better answer questions. And quickly, a phase two of that became, how do we make this consumable? How do we help in a way where we're not only reacting and and speak to what we're seeing, but how do we get it out into as many hands as we can so that we can help? Absolutely. And help me understand the difference between data, because I think of just like spreadsheets and my eyes crossing and and numbers and then insights. So in particular, what's different between data and insights? I mentioned earlier that we needed hours for this one. We want to do a special on this. I will wax poetically. So let me speak to that as crisply as my data loving heart can. Data is transactional. It is numbers. We all know this. I'm stating something. Everyone on this podcast knows. The difference is that it means absolutely nothing until it is put in context. So data is literal ones and twos and threes and fours. They are counts. It is counts. Insights becomes when I can make meaning of those counts. And that's stating something obvious, but to explain how that matters on the ground. 
it needs contextualized in as many different ways as possible. And so to play out an analogy, I can have one of something. It can be one jelly bean. It can be a house. Those are two very different things that mean different things. I can be tracking how many jelly beans I have. And I had five last year and I had 10 this year. And if I don't put that in context, do I know if that is better? Do I know if that is worse? Did I need more jelly beans? Should I have gotten something else? Is that my goal? Maybe I have 10 because last year I had five and my goal was to double it. Should that have been my goal? Those are all things that fall in the insights category. So data is nothing but ingredients that help us truly understand. And I'm going to speak poetically for a moment. This is a way to understand the world. There's lots of different paths to do that. It's simply information. One of the things that insights brings us, of course, is the meaning. So we've got ingredients and their meaning is the quick answer to your question. And in terms of the insights and impact report, how have you seen the the data and insights trending so far this year? Yeah, we're actually looking at that right now. So we're transitioning that report to be from monthly to quarterly because we're seeing some stabilization of trends. So when we originally started reporting, it was every day what happened yesterday. And then it was every week. How did we end last week? And then it was by month. And now we're seeing a normalcy in the sense of the data. So not a return, but in sense of a leveling out of registrations, of check-ins, of membership rates, of renewals, those are starting to reflect what recovery in a thriving normal is looking like. So the level of open is continuing. The level of check-ins is somewhat continuing. One of the things that I'm still looking at right now is what did the most unusual January we've ever seen in terms of a January join situation <laughs> look like that is atypical. But if you take out the seasonality effect and you think about virtual being new normal, digital being new normal, virtual school, all of those things explains when you look at the last couple months of 2020. And when you look and we publish next month, what the first quarter of 2021 is look like, that is, that's the headline. That's so encouraging to go from day to day, what is going to happen to now we can just look back and quarterly trend that that's a Mm -hmm. huge, huge step. Mm -hmm. So Constance, you obviously have this craft that you are continuously evolving as it comes to research and data and analytics. What resources would you recommend for someone if they wanted to learn more? Like how do they, how do they master this craft? so much around statistics and insights can seem academic, very difficult, particularly if we start talking about things that the world has become much more comfortable with than they were five, 10 years ago. Like I think about the concept of answering your question in terms of understanding an algorithm. If we talked about that six years ago, that was a very different answer than it is now. We all know on some level how to explain that. There's a lot of consumable reading 
on data and insights, there's two lanes. A general lane in wrapping your head around this topic has been out for a while. It's the Malcolm Gladwells of the world. If anyone's a Freakonomics podcast listener, those are two of my very available, you could put your hands on them right now, wherever you live resources. And they've been around forever. And it truly is a lovely hand-holding into this world and how to speak to it or understand the outputs from it. If there is desire to do the literal work rather than consume it, I can recommend a few. I don't know if we want to endorse them, but there have actually been some incredible certification processes that are simply six weeks long if you want to learn some of the data analysis. There are some free courses right now that are actually offered through places like lynda.com and even Harvard has one, Stanford has another, where you can wrap your head around data is good. I like data. I don't know what to do with it, or I'm only in a consumer mode and I find it interesting, but I want to get better at doing it myself. The available information through free resources at a university like Harvard is off the charts over the past three years. And I consume them myself. Again, there's really two lanes. Do you want to understand the world better or do you want to develop the craft better? And so for understanding, I would recommend everybody the reading list and, and again, the Freakonomics podcast is one of my absolute favorite for this. And if you want to get into the craft, I actually taught myself before there were the resources that I just said, this is a ridiculous recommendation, but I taught myself some of the most amazing things on YouTube videos. And it's that accessible. I taught myself, I was analyzing the data and I had another question and I was like, this is taking too long. Has someone figured this out? I remember going on YouTube and learning a brand new formula in Excel that I hadn't learned before. So that's a vague answer, but I hope it's helpful because so much of this work used to be very unapproachable. It used to be something that you did have to go take a class in or get a degree in. And there's just so much ability to either speak to and consume information that comes out or self-teach. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I agree. Mm-hmm. Like I tell my kids um, right now, they ask me all these questions all the time. Of course, I don't know the answer to them because they're <laughs> random. And I say, go look it up. Like, yes. just go look it up. You will find yes. it. <laughs> yes. And I will say that the piece that actually has matured the most in me over my career is not the literal, how do I do this formula? Or I don't understand the stats problem. Like you said, and I just said, we can go find that. The piece that takes sitting with it and loving this world is truly going back to that question about the difference between data and impact. What is meaningful and what is not? Because there is an almost 40 year old saying in this world, which is you can be data rich and information poor. So there are so many wonderful resources that tell all of us what to do but it goes back to the, why am I doing this? Like, what am I trying to understand? What question am I trying to answer? Is that an important question? Is the right question to answer? Because that actually is what makes this world exciting to me and how anyone who wants to learn it, that's actually where to start. I maybe don't need to learn this advanced skill over here. I thought I did, I need to learn a different one. Or we've been tracking this KPI forever. I don't even know how I'm using it anymore. To the point of the new normal, the world has changed. What actually do we wish we could speak to that we can't now? Let's go pay attention to that and measure that and learn if we don't have a skill to do it, what that skill is. Go Google that or look that one up or ask for help there. So that's my true 
passionate around this work is the answer to that changes all the time. As you've been navigating the pandemic and looking at all this data, how do you stay healthy and happy yourself? I know that's like a, a big question, obviously. It's a very big question. I struggled with this a lot in two different points over the past year. In a crisis, my instinct is to work. And after about three months of very, very long hours, I wasn't healthy. I had to take an honest look at that. And I I started walking outside as much as I could. And it's such a simple thing, but it wasn't happening. And doing that again, and even though the city was still quiet where I live, being out in the world again and being able to move, not just my mind, which was the only thing that was moving and it was exhausted, but move my body and make intentional choices around nutrition. I'm a plant-based eater and that's very important to me and making sure that I was getting things like variety in movement and variety in what I put in my body. Those are two things I had to do. The second check was the emotional health aspect of it. Around the holidays this past year, I was overwhelmed by that and I didn't expect that. And then I had to do that same level of work with reflection. So my long answer to your question is I did not do a good job at this. And I had to add back in a new plan, a new normal for physical movement. And I had to create a new process to reflect on how I was doing as a person. And both those things were a lot of work and I'm glad I did them. Thank you for sharing that. Cause mm-hmm. Constance, I can't speak for everyone. I can only speak for myself, <laughs> but I think that all of us struggled in some way last year, right? It was such mm-hmm. a hard year, whether you were directly impacted by COVID in terms of getting sick or losing a loved one or just how you coped with it can absolutely empathize with the default back to work. And you, we've just all got to, I think constantly try to find that balance, right? Where you just check yourself and make sure you're taking care of yourself first. You can take care of everyone else around you. Yeah. I still need to work on that. This is a good reminder. Thank you for asking. I do as well. So (laughs) we're right there together. If people want to follow up um, on anything that we've talked about, where would be the best place for them to go? Oh, absolutely. On DaxGo.com, there's a section you can just Google DaxGo Insights and Impact Report. That is an exceptional starting point. And then as you have any follow-up questions from there, there's ways to reach us, to reach out to me. I'm certainly accessible, as are other folks who answer our phones for, for questions. That is one example of a place where you can always go find what, what's going on. Our goal is to make that a living, breathing thing that stays forever and really changes over time in terms of like we talked about earlier, as the headlines of the world changes and as the questions that we need to answer change, that's a place where we're going to keep a pulse on that and put that front and center and just and just out in the world. So I would recommend starting there. Perfect. Constance, thank you so much for the time today. But as, um, as we're going to end, any final words that you would just leave everyone with? The first words that came to mind was thank you. A sincere thank you to those listening on the podcast. I know that you're probably going to agree with what I'm about to say, Saranda, but I've lost track. 
to all the, the people that we've talked to, not only over our careers, but over the past year around what this would look like and what the plans that are being put in place now. I've always been impressed when you talk about how isolated people are feeling or what they've sat with for a year and what they need in terms of connection. Yes. That and the role that wise play in that. I can't, there's not, I mean, all of the things I can say sound like throwing out platitudes that you can't overstate it. It's what everybody needs. I mean, you just can't. And, and, and I think it, it, honestly, after that hit me so badly, I, I think I, I just got better. And I'm, I'm to the point where, I know I'm gonna, I'm going to, I have to take a moment. It's over. It's overwhelming. The, the work that has been been done in the Y movement and is happening right now. And so my, my final thoughts are thank you. Thank you, Constance. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of The Accelerant. As always, this is about inspiring you and me. Okay, all of us. Let us know what you've learned, what you want to hear, or any other thoughts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Daxco. That's at D-A-X-K-O, or post with hashtag Accelerant Podcast. Or you can send us an email at podcast at Daxco.com. We would love to hear from you. You can find Accelerant wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to hit subscribe. That simple click helps us continue to bring new episodes packed with uplifting and insightful stories. Bonus points if you leave a review. Let other listeners know about us and what Accelerant means to you. Accelerant Podcast is a product of Daxco, serving the health and wellness community for over 20 years with comprehensive technology solutions to over 17 million members worldwide. Learn more at Daxco.com. That's D-A-X-K-O.com. Accelerant is produced by Christy Brown, Sean Ellis Hussey, and me, Saranda West. Sound and editing by Sean Ellis Hussey. Visual design by Jenny Miller.